To stay in shape, you have to hit the pavement. You have to put in some hard work and sweat along the way. Many of the same principles apply when it comes to money. Let's whip that portfolio into shape. It's time for Financially Fit with Kyle Hammersmith. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning into the podcast. It's Financially Fit with Kyle Hammersmith and myself talking investing, finance, and retirement. And a little financial jargon is on the docket for today. Understanding some terms that hopefully we know, but if we don't, you know, getting kind of a little refresher course, if you will, going through some of this stuff. Because a lot of times, like any industry, there's jargon everywhere. And it doesn't necessarily mean someone's trying to talk over your head. It's just what they're used to doing in that industry. But we want to make sure we still have an understanding of it. And some people don't feel comfortable stopping someone or asking them to explain something. And we're not going to go super in the weeds like PE ratio and alpha or beta and stuff like that. But we're going to do some high level stuff. So Kyle, what's going on, my friend? How you doing? Great. Uh, it's starting to consistently look like it might stay in spring weather. I got my sprinklers turned on. My grass will probably never be greener than <laughs> it is now. So I ended up putting in a bunch of sod last year, like at the worst time of the year. Right. We talked about that. Yeah. One wasn't doing too hot. And now it's looking like it's pristine. Now it's looking pretty good, huh? I get it. All right. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, hey, let's jump into some of these terms. And uh, hey, there's jargon with lawn maintenance, too. I was talking with a lawn guy, and he was saying all sorts of stuff. And I was like, what? So he was losing me a little bit on that. So every industry's got it. But let's talk some financial jargon a little bit. Uh, let's start with the simple one, diversification. Uh, big buzzword. Always hearing it. What's the deal? Yeah, I mean, diversified is it kind of always goes back to, I'm sure someone always, you know, was in your ear saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. It, I mean, diversification is basically the practice of spreading your investments, you know, around to kind of ex- avoid exposure to any one type of asset. Um, so you could diversify like asset classes, you can diversify between large, small, mid cap. There's all these different ways to diversify with between funds. For example, you could have cash, fixed interest, and equities and then diversify between all those. So when I think of the word diversification, you think about your employer account and you look at your statement and it always has a pie chart on there. That pie chart always goes back to modern portfolio theory and diversification, right? And if we kind of look at what what are those those major dips or corrections that have happened, I I personally believe this looking at studies and how everything's worked is diversification has proven to work in bull markets, but has failed to work in bear markets. So it's kind of failed its biggest test ever. When I'm talking diversification versus what you could be reading or hearing, tax bucket diversification was is actually what has what will work long term is like you have a tax bucket diversification of taxable money, tax free and tax deferred. That's kind of where we're leaning on that on that word. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I think, again, a lot of times we hear it and we think that we're diversified. Typically, you'll have people say stuff like, well, you know, hey, Kyle, I've got five mutual funds from five different companies, so I'm diversified. It's like, well, probably not. You probably have a lot of overlap. You probably have a lot of the same types of funds that have the same types of things. Yeah. I mean, like diversifying has its pros and cons, but like if you're over diversified, like why would you want to own a little bit of everything? when you know certain types of asset or asset classes for in, like for instance like the first part of this year energy mm-hmm. you know why would you want to own certain types of diversified it could be you know what do i want to own the losers if i can avoid that yeah type okay. of deal okay so. all right uh let's do dividends uh, i think again a lot of you've ever played monopoly you think you know what it is <laughs> what what are dividends so dividends are, are probably the one of the most misused or overlooked 
investment. I look at it as a strategy by itself. Um, so it's basically, I'll talk about dividend investing. It's a type of strategy that basically focuses on large companies, you know, proven companies that have steadily increased their dividends over the last 10 years. So let's, let's talk about it like that. Like, you, you know, I think Apple might pay a half a percent of a dividend, but it's typically very proven companies establish profits and revenues where they can now decide to pass along some of that to the shareholders, which would be you. And basically the dividend from the stock or the fund basically serves two, two purposes. It can either give you a constant source of cash flow from your portfolio, aka income, right? So you don't have to sell shares. The, the shares will always go up and down and over time they'll appreciate. You just live off the dividend. Um, but it can also give you an opportunity to either reinvest those dividends and buy more shares. So when a company generates a profit, they have to decide what to do with that. Like we talked about, you know, there's different types of companies, but one option is they reinvest it into their own operations. So like Tesla, reinvest it into operations to grow, or they could pay it out to the shareholder in a form of a dividend. And those are going to be more your mature companies that have, you know, limited expansion opportunities, but they'll choose to pay out a portion of their profits as dividends. And we're going to talk about it here in a little bit, but dividends, you're, you're basically dividend investing when you're putting money in every two weeks, right? And typically most people when they retire stop and dividends can allow you to keep buying in retirement with a portion of your money to allow you to buy low and high. So, okay. All right. Yeah. We're going to get to that and another kind of a caveat there in just a second. So what's a fiduciary? Uh, it's a big term as well. And uh, are you one? So yes, I am a fiduciary according to the licenses that I hold. So I'm basically up, you know, I'm regulated by, you know, state federal courts to work in the best interests of my clients. And I always look at it like this, like I wear the F word on my sleeve. Yes. Can fiduciaries do inappropriate or bad things? Absolutely. Other people that you work with or might not work with, but should work with, you know, you got your CPAs, those are fiduciaries, primary, your primary physician is a fiduciary. You know, if you have an, an attorney, they're fiduciary, like a uh, client uh, attorney privilege, that type of stuff. So it's just basically making sure that whomever's giving you advice is giving you advice in your best interest. And if they are not, they're held to a different standard than like a broker dealer who's held to suitability standards. So there's a lot of rumblings around the fiduciary rule over the last, I would say, decade comes out, goes away, gets stomped down. You know, your 401k providers are technically supposed to be fiduciary. So I do believe that the more governance of that and making sure as an investor, if you are paying somebody, you, you have that fiduciary in your corner is very important. Yeah. And it's a large, large majority of the industry is not held to that standard. Yeah, they're suitable only, right? So just basically they could look at three products, let's say, Kyle, and say, well, technically these all three are suitable for my client. So let me pick the one that also does the best for me as well. Correct. Right? And there's a lot of loopholes and like ways to get around the fiduciary. You can still be fiduciary, but it's just not a concrete definition, unfortunately. Um, so again, yeah, it does come down to trust, but you know, you always want to make sure that it's a fiduciary advice uh, from whomever you're working with. Okay. All right. So that's the uh, fiduciary. That's terms and definitions here. Let's go to our next one, which is dollar cost averaging. And I think this is where you were going to go with the dividends conversation as well. Yeah. So dollar cost averaging, this is what you've been doing your entire, you might be retired, but this is what you're doing every two weeks. You're putting money into your employer account. Like you, you are buying 
at whatever the share price is of what you own inside your 401k at that time. And then in another two weeks, it could be up and you're buying high. Then if the markets are down like they are this year, you're buying low. So typically, like if you look back at your employer accounts, like your accounts have never failed to recover from one of those market corrections or bear markets because one, you were buying low, hopefully staying invested. Right. Um, so we, there's a proven track record that dollar cost averaging does work as long as you stay invested. But what happens is the day you retire, if you don't have a real plan or you're not working with someone who's, I'm not going to say expert, but they're, they're familiar with you know, what's called reverse dollar cost averaging. You don't want to get to a point where you're distributing funds from your account on a monthly basis. All you're going to be doing now is you're not buying, you're going to be selling every month, depending on if you're high or low. So if you're selling low, you know, you're going to, that's going to hurt the performance of your account. All this goes back to is one, 99% of retirees will stop dollar cost averaging. Um, even the industry, 99% of them will stop. It all comes down to selling and providing you income. What you need to do is, we that's one of the big believers in establishing buckets. Bucket your money, do a bucket strategy, time horizon, have a certain portion of your money that's going to provide you dividends to live off of, but also dividends to where you can continue buying over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So when markets are down right now, you're buying low and you know you'll be rewarded. Okay. All right. And so that's, uh, you know, a lot of times we hear those terms, we think, well, it sounds very fancy. It sounds very convoluted. I'm not sure what that means. So again, it's it's a pretty simple breakdown on that. But as always, if you've got questions about terms, when you just like when you're going to your doctor, if you hear them saying something, you're not sure what it is, you know, just hit the pause button and say, hey, explain that to me a little bit better. I'm not getting it. Now, the dollar cost averaging and stuff. So basically, Kyle, what you're saying is we're doing some of this when, with our 401ks or whatever the case is. So let's just do a quick breakdown difference between the 401k, the IRA and the Roth. Okay. So 401k, everybody kind of knows what that is like. That's your employer sponsored plan. Typically where you're going to build up a lot of tax deferred savings, you're putting money in um, every two weeks or every month, your employer is typically matching. They provide you a list of mutual funds to pick from. Obviously not the greatest of options, but you get some mutual funds to choose from. And you're basically banking on when you retire, we're talking about traditional 401ks, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket and spend this money and Hopefully, you know, your million dollars can provide you 40 to 50K of income per year. So the 401k is pretty obvious. Most people understand like what's in there. Obviously, you need to take advantage of the employer match. And on top of that, find if you could do additional savings. Then we're going to talk private sector. So you have an individual retirement account or even like a rollover IRA. So, you know, individuals, it's very popular to take their 401k money either upon like you might have an old 401k. You could basically take that since you're no longer employee of the company and like roll it to the private sector to avoid a taxable event and you know establish a rollover IRA. Now you have a private sector institution where you can have you know thousands of investment options. As far as like general rules for the IRAs, obviously it's still going to grow tax deferred when you pull the money out. You're going to pay it at your marginal tax rate. But as far as like taking, you, you might have gotten uh, advice from your tax professional saying, hey. You could you qualify to put in six seven thousand dollars in your IRA this year. Um, so there are rules to that, you know, depending on your income and age, six to seven thousand dollars of additional contributions from like a bank account. Then we have the old uh, Roth IRA, which again, if you listen to, listen to my podcast or been to my classes, you know I'm a big fan of those. You're basically deciding to take the government out of the money or out of the account. You're going to pay the tax up front 
maybe at a higher, lower rate in the future. And the, all the earnings grow tax-free. You have to wait five years to touch those, obviously. And then um, you could, when you take money out of that account, you also do not pay federal taxes or state taxes on any of that. One key note is on the Roth IRA income, it does not cause your Social Security to be more taxable. So, Okay, very cool. So, yeah, so again, a lot of these terms that we hear and use on the regular, uh, making sure that we know what they are is important to our overall planning process and strategy. Uh, obviously, we turn to a professional to take care of a lot of the X's and O's and maybe some more of that PE ratio, alpha, beta stuff, and a lot more in-depth terms, but we still want to make sure we have a decent grasp of all the basics. So, we can you know, know what we're talking about whenever we're talking with our financial professional. So if you've got some questions, you need some help, as always, make sure you check out Kyle and talk to him before you take any action with anything you hear on our podcast or any other. And you can find them online at mocanwealth.com. That's M-O-K-A-N wealth.com. Don't forget while you're there to check out some of the resources and things that he has available for you and to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you like using Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, so on and so forth. This is Financially Fit with Kyle Hammersmith, and we will see you next time here on the show. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll catch you later. Investment advisory services offered by duly registered individuals through ChangePath LLC, a registered investment advisor. ChangePath LLC and Mocan Wealth Management are unaffiliated entities.